0: Friday of the fifth week of Lent. That's thirty March of the year of our salvation two thousand and seven. And you're back with Father Z for another podcast. Coming to you from high above Rome with the windows open so I can have both fresh air and more traffic noise, we present this second reading from the Office of Readings for Friday of the fifth week of Lent, and it's taken from a work by Fulgentius of Ruspe, who was born in the 5th century, died in the 6th century, and it'll be very useful for us to understand how the Fathers worked, what their methodology was, and what was a very important theological problem in North Africa of the time. It's very important to read these uh, authors in their context, historical social context, and understand what their problems and issues were. So let's dig right into Fulgentius of Ruspe, who is kind enough to join us as our guest today. Mm-hmm. of Ruspe was born in 467 in North Africa at a place called Bidzacena. This, remember, is Africa Pro- Proconsularis, and so it's very Roman and very Latin in its culture. He was born in modern Tunisia. And uh, even though he was Latin and Roman in culture, he also knew Greek very well. And so he was able to benefit from the writings of the Eastern authors. And he was very interested in monastic life and he entered into monastic life and he founded monasteries all through his life even after he became a priest and then bishop of Bidzicena but remember at this time in Africa uh, they were dominated by anti-Catholic vandals and the vandals you remember that the vandals were besieging Hippo when Augustine lay dying in his room as he read the Psalms Back in 430. And so the Vandals have been around for a long time and they're terribly anti Catholic. Fulgentius, as a matter of fact, once had a terrible run in with an Arian priest and he was beaten savagely by this Arian priest. And so he didn't have a lot of love for heretics, especially the Arians. And he dedicated himself to writing against them quite a bit. And in his anti Arian writings, he used uh, all the usual anti-arian arguments from the fourth century but he did so also with the greater clarity of the fifth century debates and definitions of councils especially the council of chalcedon which stressed the unity of christ while making distinct, uh, keeping the distinction between his two natures. So your two natures in one divine person. And so very often you'll hear his anti-Aryan arguments very much rephrased, rephrased with the language of these uh, definitions of the Council of Chalcedon. Problem was that he was dealing with. Let's see if we can find some other tools to help you pry open this reading and get more out of it. One of the things you have to understand about the fathers of the church is that they were highly trained in classical rhetoric. And classical rhetoric had different divisions or parts. And these parts were inventio, dispositio, elocutio, memoria, and pronunciatio. And now, invencio, and that's going. To, this is going to be a very important one for our reading today from Fulgentius of Ruspe. Invencio was the system or of tools used to find out the arguments or elements in a topic. You see, and then dispositio was to, how to arrange those thoughts in the proper order. Then elocutio was all about the style and why you were uh, why you were delivering your speech if you wanted to persuade or to edify and instruct or to move to an action or whatever you had to pick your style whether you're going to use a plain or a humble style or kind of a middle style mixed or a high style with all sorts of flourishes then there was memoria and that was the discipline of of memorizing it committing it to memory so that he could recall it and deliver the speech well and then there is the way you would pronounce it and so that's the use of your voice and gestures to match the text according to the goal you want to accomplish but going back to this very first one this this inventio that's the system used or the tools you use to find out the arguments or elements within a topic ancient rhetors and just like lawyers today uh, and uh, other scholars are trained to ask questions to interrogate the question text with questions this was called uh, stasis you know you'd you'd interrogate the text and you'd ask who what why where when and how of course the latins didn't use those words they said quis quid ubi quibus auxilius, cur quo modo in quando and when you go through one of the readings from the fathers sometimes you can see that they've presented a, they've presented a topic or a subject a topos that they're going to treat a common theme or topic and then they dig into it with questions, and the results that you're hearing or you're reading in the work by the fathers are the results of the questions they interrogated the, the thing about. So you're hearing the quiz, the quid, the ubi, the quibus auxilius, the cur, comodo and quando. You're going to hear answers to who, what, where, when, and how, and all that business. And uh, you're also going to hear. Um, a common technique of the Fathers that they use to explain the mysteries that are veiled in the details of salvation history. And I'm talking about their use of uh, identifying things as figures or types or foreshadowings. And, uh, for example, you'll see... uh, You'll hear fulgentius constantly ping ponging back and forth between the Old Testament and then the New Testament, always taking care to stress that there is one God in a Trinity, not two gods—one of the Old Testament, and one of the New Testament—and you'll be hearing words like foretold and forefathers and foreshadows. And when you hear those words, little flags should go up, uh, little sirens should go off when you hear phrases like "in the time of." and then responding with but now in the time you see there he's setting up contrast between the two and but also a unity between the old testament and the new testament so sometimes he'll use a phrase like uh like uh, this the, the in the old days they pointed to this in in a sign but now, in this time, we see plainly that you see this is all code. These are all code words for how he's showing that there's a unity between the Old Testament and the Old Testament's being fulfilled in the New Testament. Another thing: remember that Fulgentius, being an anti-Arian, and also very much steeped in the theology of Augustine of Hippo and in also the definitions of the Council of Chalcedon that he is going to focus on the unity of christ not only the unity of christ with his our human nature and with the human race but also his unity with the three persons of one trinity remember he's an anti-arian so he's trying to stress that christ is god At the same time as he's trying to stress that he is in union with our human race, and that's why we're saved. So, listen to some of these uh, questions being answered the classical questions of rhetoric the who, what, where, when, why, and how. Listen for foreshadowing talk and types and figures, and also uh, how he holds in unity Christ in two different directions with God and with man. Here we go with a reading from Fulgentius of Ruspe, and this is from the second reading of the Office of Readings for Friday in the fifth week of Lent. Sancti fulgensi ruspensis episcopi, de fide ad petrum. In sacrificiis carnalium victimarum, que sibi ipsa sancta trinitas, que unus est deus novi et Vetevis testamenti, the sacrifices of animal victims which our forefathers were commanded to offer to God by the Holy Trinity itself, the one God of the Old and the New Testaments, foreshadowed the most acceptable gift of all. This was the offering which, in his compassion, the only Son of God would make of himself in his human nature for our sake. The Apostle teaches that Christ offered himself for us to God as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice. He is the true God, AND THE TRUE HIGH PRIEST, WHO FOR OUR SAKE ENTERED ONCE FOR ALL INTO THE HOLY OF HOLIES, TAKING WITH HIM NOT THE BLOOD OF BULLS AND GOATS, BUT HIS OWN BLOOD. THIS WAS FORESHADOWED BY THE HIGH PRIEST OF OLD, WHEN EACH YEAR HE TOOK BLOOD AND ENTERED THE HOLY OF HOLIES. Christ is therefore the one who, in himself alone, embodied all that he knew to be necessary to achieve our redemption. He is at once priest and sacrifice, God and temple. He is the priest through whom we have been reconciled, the sacrifice by which we have been reconciled, the temple in which we have been reconciled, and the God with whom we have been reconciled. He alone is priest, sacrifice, and temple, because he is all these things as God in the form of a servant. But he is not alone as God, for he is this with the Father and the Holy Spirit in the form of God. Hold Fast to this, and never doubt it. The only begotten Son, God the Word, becoming man, offered himself for us to God as a fragrant offering and sacrifice. In the time of the Old Testament, patriarchs, prophets, and priests sacrificed animals in his honor, and in honor of the Father and the Holy Spirit as well now, in the time of the New Testament, the Holy Catholic Church throughout the world never ceases to offer the sacrifice of bread and wine, in faith and love, to him and to the Father and the Holy Spirit, with whom he shares one Godhead. Those animal sacrifices foreshadowed the flesh of Christ, which he would offer for our sins, though himself without sin, and the blood which he would pour out for the forgiveness of our sins. In this sacrifice there is thanksgiving for and commemoration of the flesh of Christ that he offered for us, and the blood that the same God poured out for us. On this St. Paul says in the Acts of the Apostles, Keep watch over yourselves and over the whole flock in which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as bishops to rule the church of God, which he won for himself by his blood. Those sacrifices of old pointed in sign to what was to be given to us. In this sacrifice we see plainly what has already been given to us those sacrifices foretold the death of the Son of God for sinners. In this sacrifice, he is proclaimed as already slain for sinners, as the Apostle testifies, Christ died for the wicked at a time when we were still powerless, and when we were enemies, we were reconciled with God through the death of his Son. Secundum tempus pro impiis mortus est, et quia, cum inimici esemus, reconciliati sumus Deo per mortem filii eius. <tripti> a selection from Fulgentius of Ruspes, Treatise on the Faith, written to Peter. Uh, I'm not quite sure who that Peter was, but uh, he was very lucky to get this, and we are lucky to have it today because uh, it's very useful for us to dig into the methodology of the fathers and how they were working and how how their minds operated. You can hear, for example, in that wonderful paragraph He is the priest through whom we have been reconciled, the sacrifice by which we have been reconciled, the temple in which we have been reconciled, the God with whom or to whom we have been reconciled. You see, he's... he's talking about a reconciliation then he interrogates the concept of our reconciliation with questions who what why where when and how and knowing something about ancient rhetoric helps us to understand the methodology behind the writings of the fathers, so that we can gain more from them With that, we're going to wrap this podcast up. I hope you come by the blog sometime. What does the prayer really say? That's WDTPRS.com, Whiskey Delta Tango, Papa Romeo Sierra.com. Leave comments, do lots of reading, and participate. I hope you'll come. And I wish you and yours a good continuation of your Lenten preparation. God bless you.